Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hey, everyone. I hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey. Absolutely delighted to have this opportunity to once again interview author Jane Asher for her second interview on Grief and Rebirth podcast. Jane will be speaking to us today from Santee, California, where she lives with her husband, Tom. Jane is a natural connector who has enjoyed a successful career in media and the music industry, most notably at major radio stations in San Diego and Santa Barbara and Virgin Records based in Chicago. She currently has a popular podcast called The Next Room, which is dedicated to exploring and embracing the bigger picture surrounding life on earth and what follows. Jane has also generously contributed her time to mission work in Tijuana, El Salvador, Malaysia, Omri, Taza, and most recently in the Dominican Republic. I'm looking forward to talking with Jane about her insightful, enlightening new book titled The Next Room. It is a fascinating story that transcends time and space of a relationship between a mother and daughter that grew stronger through death. Written together by initially enlisting interpretation through a psychic medium, the next room takes us on a daughter's journey, learning eternal life lessons about forgiveness, grief, grace, gratitude, and the limitless love of all, God. This is surely going to be a wisdom-filled, insights-filled, impactful interview for all of us. Hey, Jane, a loving welcome back to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. Thank you so much, Irene. It is such a pleasure. I got really excited this morning on my walk with the puppy thinking, I get to talk to Irene today. Yeah, oh, we're going to have fun. We even coordinated our outfits. I think. I know, isn't that cute? That's so cute. Mindset here. So let's begin by letting everyone get to know who you were before this thing happened with your mom. So tell us about your childhood, your parents' relationship, and how your mom fed your passion to learn about life and what follows. Mm, Good question. I was born and raised in this fabulous little small farm town called Deckerville. It's in the thumb of Michigan. So if you know anything about uh, the state of Michigan, it's shaped like your hand. And I grew up in the thumb right here. Oh, wow, interesting. Yeah, just seven miles off of Lake Huron, there was a famous uh, guy, Sonny Elliott, used to do the weather uh, for Detroit. And so Sonny would put up his hand and say, oh, there's going to be a squall coming across here. And and this is up here is the UP and the bridge and all that. Anyway, grew up in the thumb um, and just a fabulous small farm town filled full of really good, generous people um, who are always helping one another. And my mother was really good about feeding my passion for things that were maybe a little bit unique or different. Um, She subscribed me to uh, Alfred Hitchcock's magazine when I was a kid. Um, I had a library card. There was a pea green chair in our living room that I used to just live in. It was my reading chair and I would sit there for hours and read. And I remember her walking through the living room and I would startle her because I was sitting there so quiet. she just celebrated my unique side. Let's just say that. I was a different kind of kid, very curious. You know, I was burying treasure in the backyard and thought I could fly by jumping off the living room like Hastic. I would stand there with pillows under my arms thinking I could fly. I just had a, I had a different side to me and she never made me feel weird she just really celebrated that as she she got a kick out of it just embraced all of you yes great upbringing love my folks they were married for 62 years just 
really lovely. I was uh, the baby of six. So of course, you know, according to the other five, rather spoiled. Um, but uh, I had a great upbringing. I loved it. It worked I loved for you. Yes. <laughs> it definitely worked for me. Yeah. Um, what was it like for you? When, so you had this amazing relationship with your mom. So what was it like for you when she transitioned into the next room? And why, when there are only 30 days in September, was your mom's transition date listed as September 31st? Wow. Uh, I, I've never felt anything like that. Um, I had never in my 49 years on the planet um, felt such a, a visceral pain um, when my older sister Lynn called to let me know that mother hadn't made it, that she um, had died. I She I died in surgery, right? She, uh, she no, actually, no. The great thing is she, she came, she, she probably did die in surgery, but then uh, she came back. She was on all hooked up on all these machines and then they came off one after another and she made it all the way through rehab and actually came home. Oh, to die in her home so she died in my dad's arms basically oh on September 31st so it was by far the most um it was like an attack I, I can't explain it any other way and I have not felt like that since so uh just such a such a punch but the 31st okay so she crosses over I get the phone call I'm flipping out and all I want to do is get on a plane from San Diego and get home to Detroit, get home to my, my dad and my siblings. And so my husband's like, you just need to settle down and, and uh, feel your grief. And I'm like, I can't, I got to get on a plane. I got to get the four of us home. Boom, boom, boom. And I grabbed the calendar off the back of the kitchen door. And it was a gift that my mother had given me every year since I moved out of Michigan as a young woman of 22 she would give me a calendar and on the calendar written in all the little boxes were, you know, all the birthdays, anniversaries, any special dates, because she didn't want me to lose contact with the family. So that Christmas, she had given me the calendar. No one noticed there was an extra typo or a, a, an extra day on the calendar till I grabbed it off the back of the door and I start calling the airlines to book the four of us on a flight to get back to Michigan. And I'm looking, you know, September, October, September, October. And as I'm on with Delta, I'm like, well, today's the 31st and we need to get home as soon as possible. You know, can we get a flight on the first or the second? And they said, ma'am, there's not a 31st in September. And I'm like, sure there is, it's on my calendar. And that's when we realized that this calendar that she had been giving me for, I don't even know how many years, 30 some years, um, that particular year had this date of September 31st. And then my husband said, you know, she didn't really die. She just slipped into the next room on a day that doesn't really exist. And for some reason that just really, it filled me with kind of like this amazing hope. And so now this, it's this day that's not on the calendar is like this wordless reminder, you know, right between, um, the 30th and the first. And so now I've got a lot of people celebrating September 31st, you know, oh, that's they, wonderful. Yeah. So that's kind of how that all happened and how, how that September 31st came to be. And it's a chapter in the book. Yeah, that, that's great. And when your mother, after your mom transitioned though, you started to have visitations from her while sleeping, you started finding dimes, and you had a spellbinding manifestation through the eyes of her best friend, Ruthie, which was an amazing story. Please tell us about the visitations, about the manifestation, and how did you figure out that the dimes you were finding after she transitioned were from your mom? That's a great question. She, um, it wasn't shortly after she left. I started finding dimes everywhere and frequently, and I've always been a kid that would stop in the middle of the street, pick up a dirty penny, no matter how filthy it was. And so when I started finding dimes, they were always alone, not a bunch of change, just a dime in really unique places, you know, positioned just perfectly, like one in the dryer, one in the washer, one wow. walking out of Target, one in my church parking lot. I'd get in my car and there'd be one right on the seat of my car. Um, when I went down to see my dad in Florida, the morning before I left, I go to get my travel purse and there's one 
positioned, you know, the zipper is zipped right on top of my purse, like just left right there. And then I go to the airport and I find one as I get my bag off the conveyor belt, I find a dime. So it was was happening all the time. And I didn't equate it with my mom at all. I had no idea. I just was finding dimes. I was on the radio station here in San Diego and we were having a psychic from Los Angeles. Her name's Marissa Ryan. She was going to be on the air with us, connecting people with their loved ones. And so at the end of the week together, leading up to Halloween, Marissa said, Jane, your mom is leaving you dimes. I don't know the significance, but just know every time you find one, they're from her. I have no idea why she's doing it. So I'm like, oh my gosh. So I tell my husband, he's like, you got to start collecting them. So we get a little velvet bag. I start saving them. And pretty soon my kids are finding them. My husband's finding them. Every friend I told about it, my siblings, everybody's finding them. So every time they'd find one, my friend would take a picture and go, look, hi, mom. And send me a picture of this dime. So now I know they're from her. And then I'm at having this vivid dream visitation. And in the dream, it came flooding back to me. She was sitting gently on the edge of my bed. And I propped myself up and I said, mom, what's the deal with the dimes? And she said, I like to see you smile. Mm -hmm. And there it was, you know, there wasn't this big, deep meaning to it. It was just so perfect and so simplistic because every time I would find one after I knew they were from her, I would smile, you know? And so it was just so great. And now, you know, that's wild that you should ask me, but this container right here that I got in. Wow. I mean, Whoa. look at all of that. Whoa. I know they're filled full and, oh you know, my gosh. and, and foreign coin, you know, when we were traveling, I found a 10 pence and in, you know, I found a, a euro, a 10 euro. I mean, everywhere we go, we find them. It's just so cool. Cause I'm like, oh, she's coming with me. She's traveling with me. I love it. Sounds like the same, same mom who let you do your thing and yeah. loves you so much while you were sitting in that living room and whatever made you happy. And she knows this makes you happy. So she's yeah. delivering again. I know it's great. Right. It's really cool. And what about Ruthie? Oh, that's great. So it was about eight months after she had crossed over. I needed to see my dad. He needed to see me. So my big sister and I cooked up a plan. She's like, okay, you fly home. I'll get you. I'll grab you at the airport and you and I'll drive north to dad's. So it was just Lynn and I, and we get up to my dad's and, you know, he's got his oldest daughter and his youngest daughter. And she and I were quite a team, even though we were 12 years apart, we were very, very close. So Lynn said, let's have the Schlangs over. They're my mom and dad's best friends. They live right around the corner. Let's have Bob and Ruth over for cocktails and hors d'oeuvres. So great. They come over. Bob, of course, right to the living room to chat with Lynn and and my dad. And Lynn was one of these women that men just loved because she was big and buxom and took no prisoners and very much not a girly girl. This woman really fit with men. You know, she was a wise talker and and men just love her. And so she and dad and Bob were chatting in the living room, having a scotch, I'm sure. And so Ruthie and I were alone in my mom's kitchen and we were leaning over the center island and we're about five inches apart and we're holding hands. And I said, Ruth, my mother loved you so much. You know, I just, I just need you to know that. And as I was telling her this, she has hazel eyes through her eyes this vivid blue pulsating light it was like going and I'm just sitting there like I was I was quiet it didn't scare me but I was stunned I'd never seen anything like this in my life so I'm holding her hands I'm looking at this blue light vibrating through her eyes and then finally I was like Ruthie you don't have blue eyes. And she went, stop it, Jane, you're freaking me out. She goes, it's your mom. Cause she had been seeing my mom. She had seen my mother in her house. Like Ruthie's super tuned in um, to the angelic realm. And uh, so that happened. And that is the only time that's ever happened. I want it to happen again. But my message through that was my mother was letting me know that she could see me She just had to use her best friend's eyes to deliver the message. And I love that story. Like I had to get Ruthie's permission because it is so different and bizarre. 
Um, but after it happened, I told everybody, I told all my siblings, I'm like, you won't believe this. And they all, nobody thought I was crazy. At least they didn't say it to my face. Everybody was super polite and sure you did, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, I'm telling you, and, and I even got a hold of Ruth and I said, Ruthie, you remember? And she said, oh, I still remember how you felt. And, and she, we both had like goosebumps all over our arms because we just knew that my mother was just coming in for a visit. It was great. That's so wonderful, especially yeah, really to cool. two of her favorite people in the world. Yeah. And she was with you. Yeah. That's wonderful. And speaking of favorite people in the world, tell us about your connection with the remarkable psychic medium, Pamela Osley, mm -hmm. and the astonishing healing that occurred for your dad when Pam connected with your mom after oh. your mom died. I love Pam. I, I, um, I just absolutely love her. She is just so, uh, she's gentle and she's kind and compassionate and has an extraordinary gift. She's like a little teeny radio with her own little antenna and it just happens to be tuned into the next room. Um, after mom passed, my dad didn't have the heart to go to Florida by himself because they always went to Florida every winter because Michigan winters are horrible. Um, and so my sister Lynn, again, the great caper, she called and she said, hey, we got to get dad out of the snow. How about we send him out to San Diego? I said, great. So the plan is set. He's going to come out for a month. I was turning 50. So my husband, I did not know my husband was having this big surprise birthday party trying to get me out of my funk. Uh, <laughs> you know, good luck there. But anyway, um, so dad comes out. After about a week, you know, we were both just so raw from our grief and, you know, I'm cooking dinner every night because that's dad. He needs a hot meal on the table. He came out after I got the kids out the door to school and Tom was at work and he said, Janie, I, I want to talk to your friend. And I said, dad, you're going to have to be more specific. I've got a lot of friends. He said, you know, you know, the one that does seances and stuff. And I said, oh, I laughed because I had told my folks about Pam and her very unique gifts and they knew I had sessions with her, but no one in my family, I mean, raised very Christian, went to church every Sunday. Um, so I said, well, dad, she's expensive, but let me see if she'll at least talk to you. I don't know what you think she can do for you. And he said, he was just adamant that she had some kind of message. So Pam says, of course, I'll talk to your dad. So I hook them up. I put him in the backyard on my landline. He's a big sun worshiper. So he's in the backyard. And she was, she was literally on the phone with him for close to an hour. And I kept thinking, oh, I can't believe I did this to my poor friend. You know, I stuck her on the phone with my 84-year-old grieving dad. Finally, after I could see that he had hung up, I went outside. And here's my big bull of a dad sitting out in the backyard tears streaming down his little sun-kissed cheeks and I'm thinking oh no what'd I do what'd I do I'm like dad I'm so sorry he goes no no she was here I said what he said she was here your mother was here come on your friend's sending a recording to your studio he started bolting across you know the backyard through my living room came in here sat down sure enough Pamela Osley had sent a recording of their first conversation and it was so my mom and I was incredulous because I had been friends with Pam for I don't know close to 30 years at this point but I knew she was psychic I didn't know the medium part of it you know psychic can tell you about your future and your love life and you know windfall of money and a job change but mediums connect and I literally, she just doesn't really promote that side of her business because I think that, you know, it can get a little odd. And so um, she was like, yeah, I, of course I do that. And I'm like, you do? I didn't know anything about it. I had no idea. So here's this friend of mine that I've known forever, um, you know, and, and she told me things about my life that were more psychic and tuned. I never went to her to ask her to connect with anyone. So after that happened, it was as though my dad had the deepest, most cathartic session with a well-paid therapist that you could ever want. He immediately had this complete relaxation and he knew that my mother was just beyond the here and now in the next room, patiently going to wait for him because she said, you're going to be around for a long time. So get busy living or get busy dying and stop, you know, 
being a downer because he was really a downer after she left. And, and I get it. They were the it's best definitely. friends. Right. He was really devastated after she left. And we thought maybe he was going to check out right behind her. Um, a lot of us thought, okay, we're going to have to bury our dad too, right after burying mom. But after talking to my mom, she was like, she gave the old crooked finger. She had this, when she would point at you, her finger had a little arthritis. And so it would go this way. So she was never, <laughs> she was never really pointing at you. She was pointing at the other person, which was always our inside joke. But she gave my dad the little, you get busy. <laughs> you get busy. You engage with the kids. You engage with the grandkids. Get out of the house. Stop moping around. Like she was, and she was telling him she could see him. She was like, and take better care of the kitchen. I don't like the crumbs on the corner counter, which was like, we were laughing because who would know that? That's right. But yeah. So that was the beginning of a gift. So what I did for him every year leading up to him leaving, which he lived for almost eight years, you know, seven years, five months and something and change. And uh, every year I would gift him a call with Pam. He called, he's, he would always call mom on her birthday. He said, I want to call your mother and wish her a happy birthday. So every April. Oh, how sweet him. is that? That and is he, so sweet. He loved it. He loved it. And so he would have this hour long session with Pam to talk to my mom. And it was unprecedented. The, the gift that that gave him, it gave him such complete peace of mind that he would be reunited when the time came, but that he still had many gifts to give and he had to get busy with life right now. Um, it was brilliant. It was actually a gift that you gave by giving him that gift. You actually gave the gift to the rest of you too. No kidding. Because you got a whole new dad back. I know it was awesome. And, you know, I have to say some people in the family were a little skeptical and not very happy that, you know, they may have thought I was filling my dad with some kind of false hope or something, but now they see it very clearly. It just took some time. You know, when you're raised a certain way and, you know, this is what you believe and here's the Bible and this is what it is. And I'm kind of pushing the boundaries of that a little, quite a bit actually. So, but it's yeah, okay. well, when you get into this world and you see certain things, the same thing happened to me with my Jewish upbringing. I was, I was taught certain things, but now I see things a little differently. And, yeah. and also I think that your experience with your dad kind of prepared you for what was to come with your mom. Absolutely. It oh, he, you up. He, it was yeah. good for you. He got the whole party started. He literally, because of my dad, this happened. Right. I mean, he really, he was the one that opened my mind to a greater awareness that I could indeed connect through Pam. And then once I connected through Pam, my mother was so cute. She's like, you know, please don't take offense, Pam, but you don't, Janie doesn't need you to connect with me. She and I are already communicating. We've been doing it since I crossed. Um, and I was like, what? I, no, I need Pam. You know, it was crazy, but it was really lovely the way that it unfolded. And, and now that I've stepped out of this, my spiritual closet, so to speak, there's no getting back in. It's you know? fun. It's yeah, fun. it is fun. It it's is amazing. really fun. It's super fun. It's comforting. It's fun. And how, so I want to ask you, how did your journey with Pam and your mom begin? And then Pam and communicated your mom communicated to you and Pam about spiritual intelligence being a broader scope of understanding the universe. So you want to share that wisdom with us? Well, let me see. The first question is how, did, how, I, even Pam, how did I connect with Pam? I connected your book after, right. After the whole thing with my dad, I was just kind of, I had been toying with writing a book um, about my connection with my mother for years. I had thought about it and um, after my big sister had passed, I was on a plane and I was writing a letter to her on my boarding pass. And I was really distraught and, and so sad. And in this letter, I posed the question, how do I ask mom to co-author this book with me when she's in the next room and I'm on this side? And my sister Lynn, just lightning bolt, just like she was right here, right now, um, just said, ask your friend, Pam, see if Pam 
might be willing to connect with you with mom. And I was like, oh my gosh, Lynn, that's a great idea. So plane lands, I call Pam the next day, like Pam, 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 would you, would you be willing to do this with me? And she said, sure, whatever you want. And so that's kind of how it all started. So I started having regular sessions with Pam and like all of, of part three is all translated. It was all on, it's all on tape. I have all the tapes. So I would sit and listen to it and then write it out and then listen back, get it right again. And, and, uh, and so part three was all purely translated through Pam, my mother speaking through Pam to me. And then that's when it came to part four. Right. And then what did, but she also communicated with you and Pam about spiritual intelligence. Yeah, she, it, it's sort of like um, the way that she described it was that we're, we're so human. We get so good at being human. Right. And so we only can see things and grasp things in this form because we're, we're weighed down. We've got a body and a brain, a heart, and, and we just, you know, we can't really get too big. We, we try, but then we bring it back in because, oh, I can't think like that. And the spiritual intelligence that she was showing her was uh, like kind of like literally plugging back in to this greater awareness when we cross. And she said, rather than it's not knowledge as much as it is like this spiritual intelligence, you just, you plug back in and you go, oh, now I see, I see it all. It all makes sense. All those little teeny pieces that you think are all pieces of glass on the ground, they all fit perfectly together. Um, and it's this greater awareness that we are all connected. Um, and so it was really beautiful. It was such a good way it's for beautiful. her to describe it. Was her point was that some of us can have that while we're on this side or the spiritual intelligence that happens when you're on the other side? There are some um, like highly elevated souls like Mother Teresa and the Dalai Lama and, and again, free will. So that soul is an elevated soul that chose the role to come back to help push the narrative forward while they're here. That was a, a choice. Like they're, uh-huh. they're, they wanted to come down and bring that, bring that knowledge with them and have a greater understanding of it because of the growth of that soul. So they're a lot more plugged in and tuned in because I'm always like, how did that person get there? How can that person not be angry about what's going on on the planet? And they can because they know that it's all peace, that that they are standing for peace. They are not going to stand for war or strife or or believe in this side of things that are, are not healthy and not going to move us forward. The only thing that moves us forward is love. Um, and so that's, they're just. So they're the wisdom on. keepers on our planet, basically. Yeah. They yeah. really are. Yeah, helping, helping to push that narrative forward. And as you can see, you know, they give talks and people flock to see them. I mean, there are great healers all over the globe. And, and that's what I love about, you know, all the beautiful religions on the planet. If you take each and every single one of them, as different as they are about the machinations of getting to God, they all boil down to the same thing. And that God is love. love. It's just the way it is. I mean, across the board, every single one, they may say it differently. They may have a different way to pray and a, a different belief system on how to to behave or whatever, but it all boils down to the same thing. To that. And so speaking of love, what did your mom tell you about health? It doesn't exist. Aha. Uh-huh. It, it is, it's man-made. Um, it is a, it's something, you know how people, some, some people need rules, right? And so certain religions have devised like a, B, C, D, E, this is how you get to the great reward, which would be heaven. Um, we all go back to source. We all return to love. It doesn't matter if you're the most heinous individual on the planet, you will return. Although maybe a different level of understanding and some different lessons, I'm not sure, because I really don't know. All I know is what I'm shown. And there there is no shame, there is no blame, 
all it is is love. And so that person that maybe perhaps didn't act very loving and maybe it's not a grand soul, they, they got distorted, right? And they did some horrible things. They will have to deal when they get in the next room. I don't know how it works, but there will be a level of, of complete understanding where they will feel loved again. Right, I, I understand there's a life review and they get to, that's what I've been told, and they get to experience what they did. And it's a part of their knowledge and healing. Um, I'll let you know in about 100,000 years when I get there and I'll see there you, you go. talk about it. <laughs> how, I like did you, that. how did you and your mom begin to write your book together? So now you've worked with Pam yes. and now you're saying, can I really do this on my own? Oh, I had so much doubt. I was completely filled with just raging fear and all this trepidation and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Cause what had happened was I, I wrote part one and then I wrote part two and then part three was translated with Pam. And I thought that was the book. I'm like, okay, good. So I had another session with Pam, not to ask any more questions. Cause I felt like I had plenty of material, but I wanted to see if mom liked where I was headed with our book, right? Cause she was going to get writing credit as well. And so I said to Pam, I said, okay, I have part one, I have part two, I have part three. Does she like the way it's being presented? And, and Pam said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, okay, Betty, all right. Your mother says there's going to be a prologue, an epilogue, and a part four. And I was like, what? And then she said, and I need to reiterate, okay, Betty, nope, no offense taken. Your mother wants you to know that you do not need me that the two of you can do this. And then after that session, I went, oh my God, part four. <laughs> and, and then I, I was like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. And so I went through a series of, I meditate, I take long walks. I listen to the same music over and over that inspires me. And I started kind of getting like these downloads that's the only way I can explain it. And so I came back and I'm in my little studio and I just, I shut the door. I told Tom not to bother me. And I just asked her a question and said, what is it that you would like me to know? And it just started coming. Like I couldn't, I can't even, I don't even know how I did it to this day because I pick up, I just read chapter 44 again this morning. It's called grief and good energy. And I was like, it wasn't me. I mean, I was asking questions, but right. she was just like, it was like brr, brr, brr. her language, her words, her energy. It's so unbelievable that I'm reading it now as a person, as this girl who needs to read it over and over and over because I need the lessons as much as anyone else may need these lessons. Like, I'm so grateful. I was just reading it and I was getting goosebumps again. And I just said, thank you so much, mom. I mean, I started welling up. I was like, ah, oh, what a gift. It what is a gift. gift. She, she so relates beautiful. to you such wisdom. Uh, I really would love you to share with everyone what she relates to you about gratitude and the concept of privilege. That uh, really blew me away. Oh, boy. Well, with gratitude, it's about what she was saying is that you absolutely need to give thanks for everything, the good, the not so good. Um, and, and what I was saying to her is like, well, if I give thanks for things that aren't pleasant, won't I get more of that unpleasantness? You know, because I've studied the law of attraction. And she said, no, you're thinking about it all wrong. You literally need to be in that, the, the bigger picture and understanding that everything is for you. It is all designed to move you forward. Um, so give thanks for it now, give thanks for the long game. You know, when I stub my toe now, I'm like, okay, all right. I think I'm supposed to slow down. Thank you, that's painful. I didn't enjoy it, <laughs> but I get that maybe I'm supposed to slow down and be more mindful and look where I'm walking. Um, so it's all of that, just giving thanks all the time. So now I have this mantra when I wake up, I just start off with 
thank you, 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 thank you. When I walk, I don't, I don't walk for exercise. I walk for the love of the trees and the birds. And I just, that's a form of meditation. That's beautiful. I know. I love my walking meditation. It has changed my life. Absolutely. Beautiful. And then she said something very profound about the concept of privilege that you asked her about. Boy, I'm trying to think the concept of privilege. What chapter was that in? I'd have to go back and read it um, about the privilege of, I honestly. About some people being better than other people or um, air of expectation. Boy, I don't know. I honestly, I'd have to go well, back. Well, and, we'll look it up and then we'll. Yes, we'll I will. We'll I'll, I'll look it up it. if you could tell me which chapter it is, because so much of it, everybody is coming at me and asking me all these questions. And that's why I keep picking it up and reading it and going, I don't remember that. Like, I don't you know what we're going to do. We'll, we'll be after we conclude this interview, we're going to revisit it for a minute. And we'll, we'll I'd love that. I we'll, we'll insert that because it was I do, know, I do know she like we were talking about um, our life. And as far as certain people are fortunate and have a better thing, you know, like have a better lifestyle. And I do remember her telling me about Oprah, like when, like I said, does it make me shallow that I love my car? I love my little that, car. That's what some of it. Yeah, I remember yeah. that was some of it. Yeah. And she said, no, not at all. We're, we're wired to like nice things. It's sort of like when Oprah finally knew that she had extra money. Um, the first thing she did was to buy good towels and good sheets because she could. And that doesn't make us shallow. It just makes us, we're very human and we're wired to enjoy nice things. And so it's, it's okay. It's when you get into the pursuit of that, that that's all you want, that you have to have that. That's when you're out of alignment. Right. Or you think that maybe you're better than other people. Right. As opposed no. to being blessed and grateful. Exactly. No. I, yeah. Absolutely. And, and um, she also spoke to you about having a soul purpose and how we can perceive what our soul purpose is. Um, our soul purpose, actually, we don't have to do anything. It should reveal itself to us. Like we, we really don't need to chase after it. Right, um, like you're doing yours right now and I'm right, doing mine. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it took me a few years to get here, but it's like that journey along the way. So I can see now the alignment of being a, you know, I've been on the radio since I was 19 and now the generosity is coming back tenfold because of me interviewing people over the course of all these years and being very generous to promote other people. Now people are finding me like I'm not I'm not picking up the phone and saying, hey, will you interview me, um, which I really love. You know, she said, you don't need to do any of that. They will come to you. They will find you. They will call you. You've already made those connections. And uh, and I am definitely aligned with my sole purpose. I'm supposed to be writing. She and I are going to, we're actually, I need to get cracking. She told me I, depending on how busy I got, but we need to get after next room too. Um, because I barely scratched the surface with her in this. So she's going to give you more. Oh, wow, exciting. So Fantastic. much. Yes. All right. I see. I see interview number three with Jane. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what did your mom teach you about forgiveness and about grief? Oh, uh, wow. Forgiveness. I love, I love this. And a lot of people are saying it really resonated with them. And she told this through Pam in part three, and then she reiterated it to me in part four. Forgiveness. It even says the two words are for giving. So forgiveness is for giving to yourself. You only, for, when you forgive, you are. Doing it for you, not for the yes, other person. Absolutely. So it doesn't so run your life. Right, right, exactly. You come clean with it. It's like, oh, and just understanding that it is forgiving. Um, it just is so beautiful the way that she broke that down. And That's I That's a wonderful never, way to think of it. I had never thought of it like that. Like I was really confused. I'm like, wait a minute, what do you mean? Because a big part of this throughout my journey, I have had some situations with different people where it has, okay. yeah, that we've hung on to some pain, right? And because of this, she has taught me to release and forgive to myself. And so I've really been able to heal a lot of any of those past pains and things that happened 
So it's beautiful. It's yeah. What a gift she gave you. And what about, and she said something about grief. And then I want to get to the pearl because I loved her wide, her guidance to you about gossip and good people. Ah, <laughs> but she did say something about grief, I think, to you. Yes, she did. I, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm, you know, she's been gone 11 years now and I still get overwhelmed with like just moments of, of deep sadness. And I was saying to her that I felt like when she left, she took all the bright colors with her and that my, my life kind of ended up a little bit gray. And she said that that's okay. She wasn't going to tell me to snap out of it or to move on. But what she did say is the level of my grief is directly attached to the level of love that I've been able to experience. And if I could just spend the space in that knowledge in knowing how deeply blessed and how much love I've had and how many amazing people that I've connected with, then I would understand that that it's okay. That's like, you welcome that grief. You know, I wouldn't have this kind of grief if I didn't have that kind of extraordinary love. And so when she put it like that, I was like, all right, okay, I'll grieve on, you know? Yeah, I heard, that's beautiful. And speaking of grieving, when, when people are involved in gossip and they hurt you with their gossip, what did she share with you about gossip and surrounding yourself oh. with people? That's advice I think every single person in, this, in our listening, viewing audience should take to heart. I needed to hear it myself because sometimes you're just innocently having a conversation with someone and another friend will come up in that conversation and you start sharing information about the friend that's not in the room. That is, my friends, gossip. Unless it is steeped in complete love and you're sharing like, oh my God, Janice is just magnificent and beautiful and thriving. If it's, if it's that, that's one thing. But if you start saying, oh, well, you know, I, I heard that, you know, she's really having a difficult time with her weight, or I don't really like the color of her hair or any, anything like that. She just said, you have to stop immediately and remove that person or that type of individual from your life, that it does not help move me forward. Uh, gossip is one of the most dangerous forms of communication that we have. And we think it's rather innocent because, well, we're just sharing information. Well, no, we're not. Uh, not unless it is wrapped in a large cocoon of love. It is gossip. It's a very low vibration. Yes, it is. It's a low vibration. And, you know, and if you want to get up there and you want to keep going up, you just have to stop doing that. Yeah. Uh, so I hear you know, I'm, I'm in the media business and, and I love my radio friends, but when I was in terrestrial radio, it's kind of, um, it's got a little dark side where, you know, if somebody like a celebrity would die, it would be two seconds before the jokes would start. And oh, it's just, my. oh, it's just how it is. And, and I know, and, and that was difficult. That was hard on <laughs> me because I'm not that type of person. Um, and so I have to say when I retired from traditional radio, it was a blessing because now I'm in a little studio. I'm all alone, just like you are with grief and rebirth. I'm here in the studio and I'm talking to people about topics that are inspirational and loving and kind and, and that help move us forward. So right. I need, I needed to remove myself. The radio did nothing wrong. It, it's been a great career for me, but it was that it was too negative it being in that environment. Yeah, I can totally understand that. It makes complete sense. Another amazing thing your mom talked about was that we're here to learn from the deep and monumental challenges we're facing in the world. Are we facing some monumental challenges in this world, Jane, you think? <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. are wanting to be part of a great shift in consciousness at yes. this time. Tell us about that. That's really cool. Yeah, I really, you know, 2020 was was treacherous. I mean, you know, just everything with with the politics and the divisiveness and just the nastiness on social media and friends and families fighting. And, and then meanwhile, we're getting and COVID. Struck, and <laughs> I know we're getting struck with this virus and, and people are losing jobs. And it was like, Oh mom, what is going on? You know? And she said, it's okay. You guys are all part of a soul grouping mission. You knew 
that you were going to be faced with these challenges. And you said, bring it on, because we all came here together to push this narrative forward. Even if you are on the left side of politics or on the right, it's okay. It doesn't matter. It's all moving it forward. You know, no one is right. No one is wrong. Just you need to stay in your own lane of peace. Do not lean in to any kind of argument with anyone about your belief system. Just stay in peace. It's like what Mother Teresa used to say, you know, don't invite me to an anti-war rally. I don't want to go because that is you're, you're marching for war. Invite me to a peace rally. There's a big difference in the way that we can view things. And that's what she kept saying is that it's not all necessarily bad. It actually caused many of us to wake up. There is a great awakening right now. You can feel it. There's shows like this. The fact that you and I are sitting here and having this kind of in-depth conversation on grief and rebirth, your fabulous podcast, speaks volumes to who you are and why you are here, Irene. You are here to wake people up. You are here to share your knowledge and your just incredible gifts on the planet. And that's why we're doing this right that's now. It. We're light workers. Yes. So they say we're here, yeah. we're doing, and we're doing our, our jobs with much love. Yeah. It's all love. <laughs> so it's all love. Um, from her elevated perspective, what did your mom say is really important in this life? Each of us is living. Boy, I think one of the greatest uh, messages she gave me, and I need to have it on a t-shirt is expand without fear. Oh, that's beautiful. She kept saying that to me over and over. She said, sometimes myself and other people included, we start getting too caught up in this. We have to get out of our heads, get back in our hearts and stop trying to make it fit like Cinderella in the shoe. She said, go barefoot and expand without fear. Do not worry about what someone is going to think about you, say about you. It matters not. What matters is that we are all rising up and speaking our truth. It's the only way that we're going to move the needle forward. It's the only way that we're going to push and move the narrative forward so that the next time around and the people that are behind us, they will go, oh, that was inspirational. I want to do more of that. And that's how we maybe will one day see world peace. Obviously not in my lifetime on this side, um, but- yeah, But when we come back, Jane, you and I will be experiencing it. We'll be enjoying it. There you go. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, right? Um, tell everyone all the ways that they can connect with you and your book the next oh, year. That's so sweet of you. Thank you. You're, you're very generous, Irene. Um, you can go to my website. It's janeasherrainey.com, or I also have the URL. Can we spell it? A yeah. Jane, A-S-H-E-R-R-E-A-N-E-Y. Right. Dot com. Right. janeasherrainey.com or the nextroombook.com. Either way, it'll get there. Um, on the website, you can connect with me. You can purchase my book through there if you want. You can get autographed copies through there, but if you want to save a few bucks, you can get the book through Amazon. You can get it through Barnes and Noble. You can order it through Target if you want. I didn't want to limit people. I wanted them to be able to get it wherever. Um, but if they do want it autographed, I had my mother's signature made in a stamp. And so not only do I sign it, but so does Betty Ash. Oh, how cool. So, um, so we autograph the books and I ship them out directly with a handwritten thank you note. I hope I can keep doing that for as long as possible. Um, but, you know, connect with me. I've got a really fun community on, um, on Facebook. It's called The Next Room, and it's a really good community. There's about almost 1,800 of us, and everybody talks. Everybody chimes in. Everybody shares, and, and um, there's just a lot of love and a lot of giving there. Like, it's an active audience. You know how sometimes you go on a Facebook page, and it's like crickets. Nobody's talking. Nobody cares. This page, I post things and the love is just, it's uh, so cool. Um, so I love, love, love the Next Room Facebook page. I'm also on Instagram as Jane Asher Rainey. I'm on Twitter at Jane Asher. 
Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is, is it's too businessy. I, I put things on there and it's like watching paint dry. I don't know what it is about LinkedIn. It just doesn't get it done for me, but that's fine. It's a business. The others. Yes, exactly. So that's it. Just, I guess my website's probably the best place. Cause I'm going to put podcast your pictures up there. Cause I've interviewed you on my show. Um, you know, so a lot of, of, uh, the upcoming promotion and marketing and, and where I'm going to be on my book tour will all be on my website. That's wonderful. Okay, everyone. So pay attention, write it down. And Jane Asher, do you have a tip for finding joy in life? Mm, I love that question. <sighs> Get quiet and ask for guidance. Ask for those that have gone before us that maybe have a greater awareness and a higher elevated perspective to fill you with what it is um, to find your life purpose. And ultimately, if you find your life purpose, you will be led to joy because isn't that what it's all about? We're all here in a quest to have this joyous experience. So just get quiet, just get really quiet and just ask for that to come. That is a great tip. Beautiful. Thank you. Jane, here are two of my favorite quotes from your very wise and enlightened book, The Next Room. I see more love, more beauty, more compassion, more peace, more understanding. It's an exponential growth. It's beyond any scope of what I felt to be true when I was in human form as your mother. I had no idea that it would be like this. It is so vast, so big, and so enormously beautiful. And also this one, when you are thankful for everything in your life, your awareness grows. Mm. Many in our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience have now surely joined me in being thankful for this memorable interview. Thank you, Jane, for sharing both your special insights-filled book, The Next Door, and The Next Room. Look at that. I did that again. Sorry, The Next Room. That's and okay. your remarkable mom. And she's truly remarkable with all of us today. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As I like to say, to be continued, many blessings, and bye for now. Mm -hmm.